And uh, tonight, we are going to, I hope to finish this up at the end of September. I know this is the first Thursday in October, but uh, um, we have one more Bible word. I wanted to make sure that we did uh, at least spend a little bit of time with. I say the hardest one for last. Uh, the, uh, the word that I would like for us to look at in the Bible is the word Holiness, the word holy, it is the one of the greatest words in the Bible. This is the thing that separates us from God. If you want to know the overwhelming attribute, God is love, yes. But the one thing that makes God different is the fact that God is holy. Never once in all the history of this universe has God violated or compromised His holiness. Now, most of us have a very strange idea, even those that claim to study the Bible and know about the Bible. We get really get off here. In fact, years ago there were uh, actually movements, denominations, and they were called the holiness uh, people or holiness movement. And uh, uh, I, I will tell you, they, they had some pretty strange rules. If you uh, walked in with a wedding band on, that was gold adornment. And so they would ask you to take that off to enter the auditorium and uh, if you were not dressed appropriately according to their dress code for their church, uh, they literally, many of them would have a rack of clothes in the back and they would ask you to change clothes before entering the sanctuary or the auditorium of the church. And, uh, of course, that is not true religion. The Pharisees were the masters of fake holiness. And Jesus' most sharp contention was with them. Uh, We live in a world, and what is our favorite phrase? Well, nobody's perfect. Uh, And we often use that as an excuse. I, I just quote you a few verses. The Bible tells us in the book of Leviticus, chapter 20, It says, sanctify yourselves therefore and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. Uh, But uh, 1 Peter 1.15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. It's not just an Old Testament thing, it is a New Testament. 1 Peter 1.16 says, because it is written, be ye holy For I am holy. Twice in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we are commanded, if we are going to follow God, to be a holy people. And we understand that we cannot approach God, the thing that separates us. God is holy. We are not. And yet the Bible gives us a command in these three verses that we just read. That we are to be holy. Over 624 times, holy, holiness, holier uh, is used once. Uh, The word sanctify, sanctification, sanctuary, all come from the same basic root of holiness And so you add 267 and 624, and that gives you uh, 891 times in the Bible that the forms of these words are used. But I want to challenge you that if we were to try to uh, find every verse in the Bible that references the holiness of God, the fact that God is holy, that God is... uh, we could we could spend a whole year, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, just going through the Bible verses. Uh, 
And, of course, that is not our intent on Thursday night to try to go through every one of these references. But I do want us to see if we can just garner a better understanding, a true understanding, a biblical understanding of what holiness is. Now, if you are holy, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. Because it is in direct opposition to what goes on in the world. Now, let's just take the definition for a moment. Uh, let me read a couple of definitions. Listen very closely. The first definition of the word holy in the English language, this is not a Bible dictionary. This is my Oxford English dictionary. It says, kept or regarded as inviolate from ordinary use. And appropriated or set apart for religious use or observance, consecrated, dedicated, sacred. So, the first and main definition of the word holy is something that is not for normal use. It is set aside. It is consecrated. Uh, the second definition says, as applied to deities, the development of meaning has probably been held in religious regard or, or, or veneration, kept reverently sacred from human, human profane, profanation. I didn't know that was a word. Or defilement, hence, of a character that evokes human generation and reverence, thus in Christian use, free from all contamination of sin, evil, morally, spiritually perfect, and unsullied. Now, sorry, possessing the infinite, infinite moral perfection which Christianity attributes to the divine character. Now, we can do a little bit easier job than the dictionary. You see, the word holy has to deal with with God. What is God's is holy. It's not for normal use. Uh, if it is for God's use, it is to be different. It is to be separate. When we talk about God being holy, God is not like us. Every one of us have been tainted, have been touched. Uh, have been defiled by sin. God never has. And so, holy is not a state of being that I am holy and you are not. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Holy is set apart for God's use. Can can we take our lives and set them apart for God's use? Uh, will any of us in this life attain that sinless perfection that the second definition talked about? Absolutely not. But we can still be set aside for God's use. And by the way, if you'll remember several weeks ago, we did a study on righteous righteousness. And that is the state of being, and justified as well, justification of being declared by God free from sin through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So the idea of holy, as we often, our first mind thought, uh, our first thoughts run toward this idea of sinless perfection. And God says, no, I don't want your mind to run there unless you're thinking about me being holy. That's why I am holy. I'm different. I'm not your homie. I'm not your friend. I'm not the old man that is upstairs. I am the God of the universe and never have I sinned. And I want you to choose to take your life and surrender to my service. You see, the opposite word of holy is the word profane. We get a word profanity 
is a form of the word profane. What makes profanity? You say, well, they're dirty words. Well, not all profanity is dirty words. The greatest and the most horrendous profanities are when we take God's name and use it for our own purposes. I mean, the the world cannot get away from this phrase. I mean, even in the movies, the scriptwriters, they can't think of anything else when some horrendous event comes up, every scriptwriter puts in, oh my God. I mean, it's just there. You can't get past that. If something profound happens, somebody's going to say that. Uh, if you even remember the coverage of 9-11, the number one phrase that was repeated on that day was, oh my God. I want to challenge you, that's profaning God's name. He's not here for you to say, God, what have you done? That's really what, oh my God, means. Uh, That is not our place to question him. In fact, that is the antithesis, the exact opposite of holiness. It is what is profane. It's to take or to treat that which is sacred with irreverence, contempt, disregard. Uh, I, I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like everywhere I go, people just take the name of Jesus in vain. Uh, so much more than just a few years ago. I mean, everything's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I mean, hey, how about you... Uh, Try that with Allah in Saudi Arabia and see what happens to you. Uh, I mean, they'll be cutting off fingers and toes and tongues. And I mean, we, we need to understand that the opposite of holiness is profane, is the misuse, the abuse. When we take what God has given to us to serve Him and serve ourselves, we have committed sacrilege or we have profaned the Lord. You know, the the Bible talks very, very strongly here and we'll get to this in a minute about how we can do things, but I, I want you to, if you can, just contemplate here this, this thought here. The opposite of holiness is profane, and profane is using or abusing something incorrectly. And so let's get back to holy and start making it more of a verb than a noun or an adjective. You see, if I am to be holy, I am to take the life that God has given me and surrender it to His will. When, when I was a young preacher, I used to tell people, I said, well, we, you know, we're not here to tell you what to do. I, I don't say that anymore. Because people think that, hey, uh, I've got the whole Bible here and I can pick and choose what I want. And, and I, I will promise you this, if you're looking for a religion or someone to agree with you, uh, somebody's already done it, all right? Uh, they, they have gone as far to uh, invent the uh, religion of Presbyterianism. Uh, where you go on to an internet chat room and listen to records of Elvis and talk about Elvis. Uh, seriously, I don't know if it's still going on or not, but at one time there was. There was a sect in Miami, Florida several years ago, and uh, uh, they they actually seemed to be gaining some uh, converts, but, you know, they took the verse in the Bible, God has given us every green herb for meat, and means God wants us to smoke marijuana. 
And uh, they actually went through all the way up to the Supreme Court uh, about 25, 30 years ago, uh, trying to get the right to smoke marijuana as a religious ritual. It, it failed. Uh, but we don't, don't, ever, don't ever give up hope for something foolish because there are politicians that are for it now. And they are legalizing, and our mayor and our governor, uh, we won't prosecute and all of these things. Just stop and think about it. How much less productive are you if you are under the influence of some drug or narcotic or etc.? Just how much less can you get accomplished? And by the way, we're getting woefully little accomplished in this world in which we live as it is. So uh, let's just all smoke marijuana and get less done. Amen. Uh, That is the mentality there. Holiness is the opposite of profane. Holy is when we take this life and say, God, you are right. You are the only one that is right. And I am going to alter the way I think, the way I dress, the way I walk, the way I talk, because of who you are. The Bible is not buffet style. You don't get to pick and choose. Now, many people do, and uh, that is fine, but I will tell you this. The Bible is very clear that we're all going to stand uh, before God and give an account of what we did with God's holiness. See, Jesus lived a very singular life, did He not? There is no one that lived a life like Jesus did. Why? So He could be the spotless pure, holy Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And that's why the Apostle Paul, Romans 12, we quote the verse often, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present what? Your bodies. A living sacrifice, holy, by the way, H-O-L-Y is W-H-O-L-L-Y. How many of you know what that means? It's either all of it or it's not holy. It's a total surrender. It is the idea of being obedient. And we're going to just look through a couple of references here. Let's go to the book of Exodus chapter 28. And just pick up a couple examples here of what is meant for holy and what isn't. Exodus 28. And let's start in verse 1. It says, And take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithmar, Aaron's sons. Verse 2. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate and an ephod and a robe and a broidered coat, a mitre, a girdle. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Now, here's the idea. Here is a working definition of the word holy. These garments were holy. They were dedicated to enable Aaron as the high priest 
in the garments of the high priest and his sons in the garments of priest to perform the duties of the priesthood unto God. Does that sound like separating for use according to God's will? Yeah, you, you can't you can't argue with that. That's simply what it is. And no one else was to wear those garments, and they must perform perfectly what God said. How many of you remember what happened to Nadab and Abihu? Leviticus chapter 10. They were dressed in the priest garments. They were consecrated as the priest. And they offered strange fire from before the Lord. They didn't go to the brazen altar of uh, sacrifice where the daily sacrifice, the morning and the evening sacrifices were offered to get the fire for the golden altar of incense. They kindled their own fire. And the Bible says that fire came out from before the Lord and burnt them. And that if you read the passage carefully, it says that Aaron's relatives were called to carry the two dead boys, two uh, young men, to their burial. It said they carried them in their garments. God did not burn the garments. They were made out of linen. They would have burned very easily, but he took care of the guys inside. You see, those garments were separate and only allowed to be used in the work and the will of God. Let's go to Exodus chapter 30. And we come down to verse 10, and this is talking about... um, the golden altar of incense. And it says, And Aaron shall make atonement on the horns of it once in a year. Chapter 30, verse 10 of the book of Exodus. With the, uh, And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once in a year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. Do you remember what happened when King Uzziah violated the holiness of the golden altar of incense? It says the leprosy sprang out in his forehead as he stood there in the temple that Solomon built. And it said that the priests were very adamant to, you know, you are unclean, get out of this temple right now and... And uh, uh, the king understood that God had smitten him and he ran out of the temple. And even though he was the king, he lived the next 16 years in a leper colony outside the city of Jerusalem because he violated God's holiness. He took that which was dedicated and directed in God's service and used it a different way. If you... Uh, Look down to, uh, if you're still here in chapter 30, come down with me, if you would, to verse 25. And it says, Thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary, and it shall be an holy anointing oil. Now, God had uh, given direction, if you read the chapter there, on how to make this Anointing oil was supposed to be compounded carefully, just like a medicine after the art of the apothecary, it says here. And this anointing oil was anointed the the priest and the tabernacle itself and all of the articles were anointed with this. If you go down to the end of the chapter, it says uh, in verse 27, uh, uh, this is the... uh, Uh, directions for the incense that was to be burned on the altar. And it says, As for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereunto shall even be cut off from his people. Now these are examples of holiness. The priest's garments were only to be worn by the priest, concentrated, consecrated, and performing the offices of the priest. 
anything was amiss, as Nadab and Abihu found out, they died. We have the golden altar of incense was holy. It, only the priest was allowed to offer incense on that altar in the morning and in the evening. It was a continual offering. You follow that out to the New Testament in Luke chapter 1. That's what Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, was doing when he was praying that God would give him a son. And God answered that prayer and gave him John the Baptist. But it is holy. The anointing oil, the incense. But let me read you a verse in Isaiah 65. Verse 5, it says, Which say, talking about these, Stand by thyself and come not near me, for I am holier than thou. These are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. Now, this is what God says. In the land of Israel, Isaiah was pronouncing judgment against the children of Israel for violating God's holiness. And he said, you stand there and you say you're holier than I am uh, or than other people are. You judge yourself. And God says, that is smoke in my nose. How many of you have ever been by a campfire and the wind change and you just get a whole face full of smoke? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that is not comfortable. Even if you like the smell, it's, oh, wow, how the... Uh, um, I need to move around and stay out of the wind here. God says, it is an irritant to me. It is something, you know, this idea of the fire that burneth all the day is an idea of a fire that smolders when no one's looking and then when everyone goes to sleep, it erupts and burns things down and brings much destruction God says these, these things are very dangerous. There is a fake holiness out there. And unfortunately, our world has a lot more of the fake than it does the real. Now, turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1. And, and we're going to understand that holiness is not an Old Testament concept. It is a God concept. And God has not changed. Therefore, holiness has not changed. The requirement is still there. First Peter chapter 1. And let's start in verse 13 and just read through the end of the chapter here. It says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye will call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as ye... Excuse me, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto the unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, we can't take time to deal with this whole passage here, but we do want to get the main points from it. Peter is telling these first century believers, it's time to gird up the loins of your mind. 
Now, that is an interesting thought process there. Uh, the natural dress of the day was not pants and tie, uh, a suit and tie like we wear, but was rather a long robe. And uh, when you were going to run or engage in any kind of battle or activity, you would gird up your loins. You would tighten the belt or the girdle that went around. Uh, sometimes you would unwrap it uh, and pass it as a man between your legs and hold everything tight so that you could run your race, so that you could engage in warfare and not be tripped up with your garments. And uh, Peter is saying, now listen, it's time to tighten your belt. It's time to get your mind ready because you're going to have to engage in a work. And what is that work? Well, read verse 14. He says, um, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts. So there is a work that we must do, there are choices that we make every day in our life, we are to fashion our lives as a craftsman that builds something out of wood, as a fabricator that builds something out of steel, or a contractor that is following the blueprints, we are supposed to fashion ourselves in holiness. Why? Because Jesus saved us. And because he saved us, he wants us to live. You hear me talk often. Salvation, baptism, church membership, serving the Lord through the church. These these are biblical principles. Do you realize that will separate you from 90% of what calls itself religion today? Uh, everywhere I seem to go, it's, well, we're, we're just part of that universal invisible church. And, yeah, try that with a bank account sometimes. See how well that works. Uh, it doesn't. There's no such thing as a universal invisible anything. The only universal invisible is God himself. And if you're going to obey him, you're supposed to be holy. That means you're supposed to follow the directions that are in the Bible. He saved us to serve Him in and through His body, which is the local church. We do not have much time here on earth. And if we're going to serve God, we've got to do it His way, not their way. That's all holiness is. Let me ask you a question. If you were attending services Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, going on visitation at least on Saturday, and we're going to be trying to work out some other things here coming up. Uh, uh, If you're new to our church, we have what we call discipleship, where someone takes the Bible and goes through every major Bible doctrine Uh, one at a time, and and that takes several weeks. I mean, that's going to alter your life. And after you get these things, you live according to the Bible, and that makes you different than the world. How many of you, your family said, you're crazy, you go to church three times a week? Uh, you, You give in the offering, you do all of these things. Why do you do these things? Because God said so. Because that's what being holy is. You see, I'm not holy because I do those things. The emphasis isn't on the doing. The Pharisees have the, uh, uh, the corner on doing physical appearance. It is doing those things out of the right heart attitude. A surrender to Make my life usable by God. Now, if God's going to use your life to be obedient to Him, does He have to make you closer to Himself in holiness and cleanness and purity? Yeah, God can't use a dirty vessel. That's why He cleans us up. Amen? That's why the church talks about these things. And since we are redeemed by the precious 
blood of Jesus Christ, the incorruptible Word of God, we only have so long to live, but the Word of God endureth forever. And we are to be marked. If you study history at all, if you're a student of history, you will find that all the way down from the time of the apostles, there were groups of people that had one major distinctive that separated them from the rest of the religious world. They were people of the book. They were Bible people. That, that is our heritage. Uh, I was reading an article and something that says, the radical reformation. And what they meant by that was not Luther, not Calvin, not Knox, not Zwingli, not these guys, but these crazy groups that were out there. Now listen, not all the crazies were Baptists. But all the Baptists were considered crazies by all the rest of them, all right? Uh, Because they were different. They weren't part of the world system. They were wholly dedicated to trying to do things the Bible way. Holy. And what does it tell us that holiness will bring in our life? We just read this. It says... Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto the unfeigned love of the brethren. If your holiness isn't bringing a love and a concern for other people in this church, then you got the wrong kind of holiness. You see, holiness brings me closer to God. And when I am closer to God, then I can actually love other people. See, there's nothing more deceitful than fake love. The world's full of it. Well, if you really loved me, you would... Anytime you hear that, you you know you're dealing with a fake, a fraud, a phony. I mean, just put it in any situation. Well, if you really love this company the way you said, you would cheat so your boss looks good? Wrong. That's not holiness. You see, this idea of holiness is separated from the world to serve God. And as I serve God, I've got to love people. It's the natural result. Some people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just challenged in that area. I, I am not a people person. I, I just don't know how to do that. Uh, welcome to the club. I don't know anyone. In fact, uh, I've said this before several times. The people who think they know this and have this down are the most offensive to the God of the Bible. God doesn't need your definition of love. He already has his. And he wants us to surrender. It's not just a warm, mushy, gushy feeling. My wife and I were talking about this. We'd met a, uh, 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 well, long story short, I try not to devolve the people who are involved, but this pastor told this person, well, if you're going to be, go to New York City, he says, you just need to be able to walk up to that homeless guy laying there in his filth in the street and give him a big hug. And uh, I just looked at the pastor and I said, I've been there 20 years and I don't have that kind of love and I'm not getting it either, all right? Uh, because that's not love. That's your wacko definition. Hey, I want to help every homeless person get out of the pit of homelessness. But you know what I found out? They get a government check. They get all kinds of help. It seems to me, in my humble opinion that we have a lot of people in government that are vested in keeping those people in that homeless situation because it just feeds more government programs. Hey, what we really need to do is get people dependent on God and then they don't have to be dependent on government. Amen? You see, real love benefits everyone. That's how it works. Now, we've got just a few minutes here, and I want to just touch on a few things. 
Hebrews 12:14 says, "Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord." If you do not have holiness, I want you to know something. You're not saved. You're not getting into heaven. Holiness is a requirement. Holiness is serving the Lord. I've met many people over the years and they say, Well, Pastor, I love the Lord, but I'm not willing to do this baptism membership thing. That's just not for me. I want to challenge you. you got a holiness problem. That's the way God said we should do it. That's why I was baptized as a sophomore in Bible college. That was not comfortable. I had to go before the church. I'd already become a member. And I said, you know, uh, the church I grew up in, they just weren't very careful about those things. And so I got baptized at 8 and saved at 11. doesn't work that way. You got to do it the right way. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm understanding now what no one taught me before. I, that sounds so silly, but... Here I was, sophomore in Bible college. And it wasn't my Bible college professors that were teaching this. It was my pastor in the church I was in. You see, we've got to follow holiness. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify, that's the process of making holy, the Lord God in your hearts. Do you understand that everything that you understand about God right now might not be 100% biblically accurate? Would that shock anybody in this auditorium that our understanding of God might just be a little off? And we need to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. We, how do we do that? By getting into this Word and spending time with it. And allowing God to tell us what we're supposed to think about Him. You see, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I am so glad to tell you that I did not learn Baptist doctrine out of some catechism book somewhere written by some great preacher. I learned Baptist doctrine out of this book and this book alone. We're the only ones that can make that claim. You cannot be a Protestant and only study your Bible. Can't do it. Doesn't work. You can't be a Calvinist without reading the writings of John Calvin. You you cannot find out how to organize a church as a Presbyterian without reading John Knox's uh, information and following the traditions and the, and, and the teachings of the Presbyterian Church. But as a Baptist, you can take just the Bible and no one else's book. Holiness. Surrendering to doing things God's way for the sake of honoring God. That's holiness. You see, our prayers. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. You know why God doesn't answer our prayers? Because we're not praying what God wants wants us to pray for. If we lift up those holy hands, if our hands are truly surrendered to doing things God's way, guess what? You're going to have a lot more answers to your prayers. Second Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God has a place of service for every one of us in His church. But we got to surrender to it. Holiness. That's, that's what holiness is. In Revelation 4, 8, it says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And people, oh, I just love that hymn. Holy, holy, holy. Well, 
That's not what these angels were doing. You read in Isaiah chapter 6, it says the posts of the door were moved at the voice. When we declare God holy, we're saying that God is unlike all other beings and all other thoughts and all other things that we know about. That God himself is the supreme being and he alone has the right to tell us what to do. And when I say God is holy, I'm saying I want to be obedient to your word. That's what we are striving for. And let's take just a moment, turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and then we'll be done. Hebrews chapter 10. We can't read the whole passage here, but just verse 9, it says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And we come down here to verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, there's a lot more in this passage. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We, we need to understand something. Holiness is not an option. Holiness should be our life. We cannot worship God. We cannot pray. We cannot be obedient to His calling without holiness. Holiness is willfully choosing, fashioning our lives according to His Word instead of our words. His desires instead of our desires. We understand that Jesus is the one sacrifice for all sins forever. There's nothing we can do to remove sin. Jesus has done it all. It is finished. Amen? But if we're going to be holy, we've got to come to that God. And we've got to acknowledge His Word and what He says. By the way, the Bible's not a complicated book. And we have to say, we're going to follow God His way. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, stick around our church very long and something might happen that's not very pleasant for you. You know why? Because there's other people around. But you know what holiness does? It gives me the unfeigned love of the brethren. And what does love do? It covers a multitude of sins. It allows me to get along with other people. I know this is really going to be a shocker. I was very careful about putting this in your notes. But your pastor might make a mistake occasionally. It just might happen. It doesn't happen very often, you know. Let me, let me tell you something. What we're striving for is holiness. We are the ones that make the mistakes. But if our attitude in our heart is surrendering to God, God will take care of those things. And we surrender. I, I've, I've had many people over the years, they say, Pastor, what do I do when someone who's a Christian has hurt me? Holiness. What did Jesus do when people hurt him? He gave it to God, didn't he? He did not let it deter him one step from being obedient to God. See, that's holiness. If you were perfect in your obedience, you would be perfect in your holiness. What was that in Psalm 119? Perfect peace have they that love thy law. And what's the next part of it? 
and nothing shall offend them. I'm not there yet, are you? Uh, but I'll tell you what, if I get offended, guess what? It's because I got a problem with loving God's law. I got a holiness issue. Holiness is not just walking straight and being perfect and never thinking a bad thought. Because if you're honest, every one of us do those things every day. We violate God's holiness. When the Bible says, be ye holy, it's not saying, be ye sinlessly perfect, because you can't do it, neither can I. It's telling us, my life direction is following God's word. I mean, I'm asking you to pray about Community Baptist Church. I don't know where we're going to get 85000 bucks, But uh, that's about what we need right now if we're going to purchase this building. Or we need Mr. Don to give us the land contract. And uh, we could pay it back to him in a couple of years. Or somebody else. I don't know what's going to go on. But I do know this. God is interested in his church. And he has given our church the hand, the involvement in this church to try to keep it from closing. Just like we did with Union. And opening Morris Park. Now that's not a lot. But I'll tell you what. It's more than one. We're trying to be holy. We're trying to do what God wants. And we need to do that. And if we lift up those holy hands and pray, because we're surrendered to doing God's will, I believe God's going to answer us. Part of me says, I wish I knew how. But the part of me that understands the Bible says, I'm glad I don't know how right now. I can just trust God with that burden. Amen? And we're going to follow the Lord in holiness. Holiness is not a, some state of being. It is not an, an earth, a heavenly glow that attends you as you walk uh, down the highway of life. I want to challenge you. Holiness is separating your life from the world and making it in agreement with the words of this book. How are you doing? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father.